1: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It's a Friday edition of the podcast, so we have a guest here on the pod, and very excited for today's guest. It's been a long time coming. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of football officiating today, and we're talking to the Supervisor of Officials for the Skyac Conference in Southern California, the Southern California Interscholastic Athletic Conference. I think I have that right. Uh, I used to work for him, working uh, football back in my officiating days, and uh, he has had a great amount of experience officiating football himself at the Division I level. He also uh, loves baseball. Got a little baseball bug later in life. But uh, anyway, let's not waste any more time. Let's bring him right on the program here as I make my adjustments. Uh, guys, I am. Uh, it is my privilege today to bring on the program Mr. Vern Sparling, Mr. Vern Sparling, let's see, there he is, Vern Sparling, welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast.
0: Thank you, man. Good to see you.
1: Good to see you, Vern. It's been a long time. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last, it was probably when I was working back football for you uh, years ago, but uh, how how are you doing? How has this crazy year 2020 treated you? And uh, yeah, it's been a long time.
0: Well, I'm uh, I'm up and walking, so that's better than the alternative. And uh, yeah, 2020 was a little crazy, but uh, hopefully, I I want to believe that we're through that and uh, on to bigger, better things for all of us.
1: Amen to that. Well, uh, uh, Vern, we got a lot to talk about today, uh, mostly regarding football. Um, you have been the uh, supervisor of officials for the. SKYAC uh, for quite some time. The Southern California Intercollegiate Collegiate Athletic Conference. It's, guy, it's on the, the wall there behind you. So um, v- you didn't play football this year or in 2020 or the spring of 2021. So take me through kind of off the bat here, how difficult that has been for you and your staff, your officials who definitely have wanted to get on the field, but haven't had the chance to.
0: Well, Matt, we, we, uh, in the beginning of 2020, when the um, issue first arose, um, we proceeded thinking based on the then um, information that we had, uh, well, this is going to be a, you know, one month, two month, you know, we'll get through this, and everything will be back to normal. So we proceeded as normal. The only difference is we couldn't do, uh, as we approached the preparation season uh, for football, um, meaning, you know, May, June, July, uh, there was still uh, an issue. While we believed that we would be playing in September, um, we had to do, change our format. We did uh, Zoom meetings. We, you know, adapted. Um, The staff was prepared, hires were made, and uh, we got closer and closer. Uh, We were to the point of our uh, our clinic, and then it kind of unraveled a little bit. Yeah. So um, we thought, well, it's going to be postponed. That was the first thing that happened. (laughs) We're going to start in October. Okay, so now we needed to just kind of stay um, in contact, if you will, brush up on things, do communications, email communications, bulletins, whatever. And then we get to October and, oh, it's going to be another few weeks. And obviously that um, continued on. Uh, At that point, due to um, things that were happening within the state of California, um, which every state was reacting differently. And um, they they uh, basically had to send the students home and they had to convert classes to online. And the conference, as did many, uh, felt it was difficult to say, we're going to have students at home. They can't be in class, but they can be on the athletic field or court. And so that got... Uh, basically stopped any further talk of of uh playing a sport and they said well we're going to do this all in the spring and so they made a whole elaborate plan obviously uh that didn't happen in the meantime uh a lot of the schools in our conference are what i would call or what is called tuition driven mm. so they don't. We have some schools that operate on massive endowments. I mean, an endowment that they can stay in this, the education business with or without students for a long, long time. But uh, some of the universities needed uh, students in the seat. And when you have, uh, you're faced with the fact that, well, I'm not going to go to class. Um, some guys, people. Chose not to students chose not to enroll to pay for the tuition of being in class. When in fact, they were going to do it online. And some of those people left, some went to get a, a job. Some did, uh, you know, other things and the, the financing financial aspect of less students uh, started to burden some of the schools. And then early, Uh, This year, 2021, uh, one of our universities announced that they were going to drop the sport of football, and that created some waves. And as you know, um, here in Southern California, uh, they weren't the only ones. Uh, Azusa Pacific University, same thing. Division II school dropped football. And across the country, there were were many others that... um, that occurred and they were probably universities that were on the cusp of n- not having the, that particular sport anyway so um even though the the, the level of division three doesn't offer scholarships there is financial aid that occurs and you know the, to the student for other things other than than playing the sport and when i a university doesn't offer the sport and they can play it at someplace else, then now you start having a transfer issue and you have some some other things. So when the spring rolled around, um, we weren't quite prepared. And then we had uh, issues where throughout the conference, the regulations weren't the same. So there was no parity because we have schools in Ventura County Los Angeles County, Riverside County, and uh, Orange County, and each of those counties then had started enacting or relaxing regulations, and and so now some teams could practice and some couldn't, so in fact, we had one, uh, they were going to do a spring game, They, they conceded with you can have additional time of practice because there's no, you know, no season, and two teams scheduled to play a, uh, a, a scrimmage, a game, if you will. And uh, they were in different counties and to get to each other, they had to cross a, another County and there was some issue with that County. They had to cross <laughs> not letting people drive on buses, you know, from one location to another. And um, that created a problem. So, Um, They just finally threw up their hands and said, "Okay, gear up, and we're going to go in in uh, September." And that's basically where we're at at this point. So,
1: well, uh, a lot to unpack there. I mean, you know, for those that don't know, the Sky Act, the the conference, Vern uh, is a supervisor of officials for. It's been around a long time. It's a bunch of uh, small private universities here in Southern California. There's eight of them, eight of them that that used to play football. Uh, Caltech is another uh, 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 university in the conference that plays other sports other than football. But uh, when you took over, Vern, it was, uh, let's see here, Cal Lutheran, Occidental, Whittier, Laverne, Pomona-Pitzer, Claremont College, Redlands, and Chapman. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so those are the eight schools that were playing football. So that gives an idea of people here in Southern California as to where those schools, uh, are located. And, you know, you've been the assigner a long time now. And, and I, w- I had, I was privileged to, to work for you. And, uh, one thing I'll say that with division three college football, it, it is not quite the talent you see in, in community college football. Uh, but I will say I was blown away, Vern, working for you with the level of commitment you expected from your officials, because the sky act really your vision was to make it a kind of a breeding ground to get guys to higher levels. And I think the schools and the conferences really, uh, you know, bought into all that as well, because they saw that the commitment level did go up when you took over. So what, what can you tell me kind of, about your vision uh, for your officials, you worked in Division One football at one time as an official, which we'll get to. But as far as the Skyac, you taking over your vision, the things you uh, required of people to do, uh, just kind of give the audience uh, an idea of you taking over the Skyac and what it all meant to you and what what you wanted to do with it all.
0: Well, the we had a the first thing that we did was. Um, determine a mission statement and um, in the mission statement for the sport of football officiating staff, it says um, that we are um, training Division I college football officials while providing the best Division Three football officiating in the nation mm. and that we have accomplished that on every level. Um, Proof in the pudding is that, you know, it has been now um, eight seasons. Um, In that eight seasons, we have uh, put 42 football officials directly from the SCIAC into division one football. There is no Division Three conference in the nation that can match that.
1: That was my question. What that was going to be my follow up to that. There's no one that comes close to that. Is there? I mean, 42 officials in eight years straight from the Skyac to Division One.
0: Yes, that's that's correct. And what I asked um, when I when I took over, I assessed the uh, staff. The staff was about 75 or so. Uh, people, and um, I released all of those people, thanked them for the job that they had done, and uh, set about um, hiring uh, a staff of 35, and five crews, seven person per crew, and then uh, establishing a developmental program in which we would identify future knowing that we're going to constantly have vacancies from promotion. And then I interviewed, uh, each person that I had identified some, when I explained what the commitment level was going to be, uh, declined. Mm -hmm. I I understood it. Their aspirations, their goals were not to be a division one football official their aspiration were was to i would i like working on saturdays and you know um, being a, a the best division 3 football official i can be and i respect that and uh some people just said well you know i like uh i like doing saturdays because we get paid more than on friday nights and, you know that's a great motivation and there's a junior college football available and they're always looking for you know, good quality officials, and they paid, you know, not quite as the same as we do, but um, and then I went to the conference and said, okay, here's the plan, um, but you're going to have to pay for this. And I got a commitment from them, and now uh, when I took over, we were the last place in pay in Division Three football, and now we're not. We're not even in the bottom half. And that's a a big deal. Um, In exchange I have officials that have bought into the the uh, workload that they have to go through and um, I I treat this as if it were a division one conference. We train as if it was a division one conference. We account, hold the officials accountable as if it was a division one conference. We do our training program is different than every other conference in the nation. Our accountability is different. We have uh, graders. They have to take multiple tests. They have to attend multiple seminars. They have to um, do uh, off week uh, stuff. Um, they're, they show up for games the same as a Division I official does. And I promise them that Uh, as I do all of the division one supervisors in the United States that I have a pretty good relationship with I promise them that when they hire an official out of the SCIAC that when that official walks on he will be prepared to work that game the only thing that they'll have to do is adjust to the speed they'll be used to a um, clinic they'll be used to The clinic tests, they'll be used to being evaluated. They'll be used to having their film looked at. They'll be used to having grades. They'll be used to having their mechanics uh, evaluated. And they'll be used to attending uh, training seminars, having crew meetings, having to meet uh, early, uh, you know, before kickoff instead of an hour or 40 or 45 minutes, whatever high school does, or even an hour and a half that the junior colleges do, our guys are meeting three hours. They they have game film. They have a training tape. They have all the tools that Division One officials do. And every single one of those 42 officials, which is more than 100% of the staff, mm-hmm. every single one, if you think of it that way, yeah. every I've not had a failure at Division One.
1: Well they got there they got there for a reason, I mean right and, You know.
0: absolutely. absolutely, and that's the real reason that that's the the what I get out of this it, I'm certainly not doing it for the money uh, the uh that's the real reason every single hire um I feel i it's a part of me it's part of my heart that you know while i I hate to see them leave I am extremely happy that, uh, uh, where they're going, what they're going to accomplish. And I mean, um, I had one official that, um, uh, is currently worked, um, in the, uh, in the conference and now is a, uh, replay official in the NFL. So, um, that's, uh, it, to me that's part it, that part's exciting,
1: oh yeah, oh and and I gotta ask you, Vern because I, I'm sure when you took over and your vision and everything you you kind of touched on it but 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 weren't there people there had to be people that you know were like, i mean Vern, come on, this is it's division three football, let's just let guy go out and work i mean y- guys aren't going to be getting to the next level from here. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Let's just call us, you know, small college football where guys can work. I mean, there's no division two in California or Southern California, to my knowledge. Uh, it's just division three, let guys go up. Was there ever a thought that maybe you were biting off more than you could chew or that maybe you should just, kind of treat it as it had been treated before or were you just motivated the whole time to be like, no, this is my vision. I want the best. I want guys that are hungry and striving to get to the next
0: level. The, I did face criticism. Um, I faced uh, criticism on, on uh, multiple fronts and, um, some from those people that felt like, Hey, wait a minute. You know, this is uh, this was my recreation. Um, I wasn't looking for somebody that wanted recreation. I was looking for someone that wanted an advocation and that was willing to put whatever effort was necessary to become the best that they could be. While I can never, ever guarantee anybody that they're gonna get hired by any place, um, what I can do is guarantee them that they'll be prepared if they get that call. And I can teach them what to do, what not to do on and off the field and not to make mistakes. The, the other point that I, I reached is that while the prior to my um, becoming the supervisor, I worked for five years under the tutelage of Jack O'Kane who was the previous supervisor for 20 years. Now his philosophy and mine didn't necessarily match. He was the boss. I did what he wanted um, and I made you know, a lot of notes of, gee, I'd like to do it this way. I think it's better if we did this way. And a lot of things that did occur during that period, that five-year period were things that I approached him about from things like working in crews, instead of just every week, you're working with a group of different guys. And um, so one of the things that he did that I didn't think was appropriate was to used a lot of division one officials in their off weeks and um, the coaches didn't particularly care for that. They, they, at first, you know, Oh, Hey, we're getting a division one guy. And then it turned out that didn't work out too well uh, for, you know, various reasons. And so when I went to those guys, I talked to them, I said, listen, you want to make a difference here. I said, um, instead of going out on the football field and working, how about, working off the football field. How about going to the game? How about supervising the game? How about observing the game and um, helping these guys become better? I said, so you're going to get a lot more reward because a guy that, you know, works uh, the Civil War, Oregon Oregon State, or the, you know, the, the Stanford uh, Cal game or UCLA, USC, uh, you know, what is he getting out of work in, you know, Pomona and Whittier on mm-hmm. Saturday that he's on. And those guys bought into that. And that's how we developed, you know, I had the, the, the absolute um, benefit of uh, Tony Carini and Carl Cheffers and Tony was the supervisor of the PAC 12 at the time. And, of designing a training program that emulated what they were doing where they had position coaches. And so we did that. And then he encouraged his staff to participate and that has made a giant difference in, in how we have progressed.
1: Yeah. It it has really, it's really something to see if you kind of go behind the scenes and everything Uh, as example, as an example, the PAC 12, all the different positions, referee line judge back jet, like they all had, Uh, basically guys they could reach out to in the NFL position coaches, if you will, that is something you brought to the conference. I mean, I was a a line of scrimmage official and I had uh, a position coach uh, in the Pac-12. Jim Weary, for example, was my position coach. And, you know, guys who work at a high level, they don't, I mean, I don't think they want to watch plays of a division three game or something, but these guys actually did. I could call Jim Weary and say, hey, he, Jim, Here, check this play out. Tell me what you think. And he'd get back to me, give me feedback on what I could have done better, what to look for. I mean, the hands-on approach that the Skyac had with position coaches, uh, the referees talking to referees in the Pac-12. And I mean, it really was something completely different than anywhere else in Division 3 football
0: was doing, right? That's correct. That was uh, That was quite unique. And I, as I said, I had the support um, of Tony and uh, the uh, the position coaches that he had. Uh, they encouraged it. Um, it worked out extremely well. Fortunately for me, there's some of those guys uh, I had actually worked on the field with um, early, early in my career at the uh, junior college level. And um, before they you know, had moved on into uh, Division One and then on to the NFL. So I, I, those friendships you, remain. And so it made a, a wealth of uh, instruction that I could call on and still do. You know, um, there's no place in the country like Southern California where you have so many um, NFL officials that are willing to participate in a program like ours. And so when we have a an in-person clinic. Not only do we have this plethora of Division One officials that there have personal interests because they have five guys that they're they're mentoring yeah, that work the same position that they do in Division One. But then I have you know these guys that will come in: John Hussey and Carl Sheffers and Tony Carini and Greg Wilson and Pat Turner. And, I mean, and uh, it just goes on and on. Um, that those guys are willing to give their time um, to uh, to teach our guys. Mm-hmm. And there's no place anywhere that ha- that can match that kind of stuff because I, I know all those guys and all the supervisors in Division Three in the United States and and some of them um, I have really good relationships with. They call and they go, Hey, how did you accomplish this? They're trying to implement their own programs. How did you do this? How did you approach this? And, um, I'm, I'm more than willing to share. It's, it's not a copyrighted program. It's just one that takes a lot of work and a lot of help. You know, I couldn't accomplish this and by anywhere near what we've got without, um, you know, the, the real interest and help by a lot of people.
1: Yeah. And, and it goes to show, you know, a few years ago, your, your conference was selected to work the division three national championship game, some incredible officials on that game, some, some, some friends of mine, uh, colleagues, uh, the, the Skyac really has developed this reputation around the country in college football as to the next breed of great officials, but also, uh, officials that are getting assignments in the postseason around the country when they're looking for, you know, quality crews. So that speaks to the program as well. And, and, you know, Vern, for me, when I, I did it a few years for you and, you know, to take people through a typical Saturday, this is just a Saturday, not the off-season stuff, but a Saturday, say you have a one o'clock game, uh, you got to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning, the closest school to me was probably 15 minutes away, but the furthest ones about an hour and a half away. So depending on when you got to be there when you got to leave, uh, you get there at 10 you check in you watch some videos uh, by an hour and a half before the game, you're fully dressed. You go talk to the coaches, you come back, you have another crew meeting, kind of preparing what to do. Then you're on the field one hour before the game, uh, making sure the field's ready, talking to coaches and checking out equipment of players, all this and that. By the time you kick the game off, I know for me, I was just ready to kick. Can we just kick off already? I'm tired of talking about football. I just want to officiate the game. And so There's this buildup. You work the game. It's uh, typically under three hours. You, you, after the game with your crew, you record your fouls. Uh, You write down plays during the game to yourself plays. You want to maybe look at or or things you reasons you passed on a possible foul and things. So you write down your fouls. The crew submits a report. You give those to the coaches. You're finally out of there after you shower up and everything, probably an hour maybe after the game. So then you drive home or maybe stop to get a bite to eat or a, a beverage, but I mean that's a long day. It's a long day, and as you touched on earlier, it, it's not for everybody. And there were guys that did it a while and said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to give my spot up to someone who really, really wants to do this." But I did learn a lot in in my years of of doing uh, working football for the Skyac. I learned something that I chatted with an, another football colleague not too long ago. The kind of the like versus love of football. I like football officiating at the college level. I don't think I loved it as much as other guys did. So that ultimately for me was a reason I kind of stepped aside and I was pursuing baseball stuff as well, but the amount of work that goes into the off season, talking about football, watching plays football is a one day a week sport during the season, but there really is no off season anymore. It's just constantly training and talking. And so it wasn't for everyone. Uh, I applaud you and the staff, though, for all the work that that goes in. Because the really, the 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 proof of of it working is uh, is definitely out there with the assignments and everything. So, I don't know if I have a question there or anything, Vern. But just kind of uh, you know, in reaction to all that,
0: um, just to you know bring you up to date since you uh, left, um, we've worked another national championship. Oh. And, um, we've also had a, a season where we, we worked two crews and we only have five crews. We've sent two crews at the same time out. And so we're working multiple games. Um, but, uh, you know, you mentioned showing up early and watching a little film. Um, you forgot the weekly test. Yes. Uh, there you go. Sweating,
1: sweating every week. Just like, what is, Oh, I don't know the answers.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, weekly test, and then reviewing the, uh, uh, you know, the training film. And then, of course, uh, you mentioned writing up the, the, the game report where you listed your fouls. And uh, now we have evolved to not only do you list your fouls, but you have to list those ones that you made a note, which we taught you, hey, you might want to look at this to yourself, put it in your pocket, and then when the game film came out, Well, we've now evolved to the point where games on Saturday night and by Sunday at noon, the film's on. And by Monday at six o'clock in the evening, 6 p.m., all every single play of every single game has been evaluated, looked at, and graded, whether there was a foul there (laughs) or not. And of course, with the grades, a grade is a, a marking system. It's nothing more. It just, hey, I got this right or I got it wrong. And if I didn't, or I got it just so, so, you know, kind of marginal and look at it and see what can we do. And then you have your position coach to reevaluate it with, you know, every incorrect call that happens in the conference. It isn't just random. I mean, there's, there's, it's looked at twice. Then it's ran by the position coach before the final grade is finalized. Then it comes out on the grade sheet and that's all done by Monday at six o'clock. Now you have the opportunity to look at it as a crew. And, um, you know, so uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of standard, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, effort, I guess is to, yeah. Raise watch, the, bar. the love as you, as you said, but let me ask you, um, I can give you a list. I, I, I challenge you to ask any one of those 42 guys that are working division one football, if there's a love, of football in the Sky Act. I mean, these guys still come back. Mm-hmm. We have an alumni association in the Sky Act from all the graduates that attend the clinic and have their own meeting. And when we were doing some stuff and, and we did a, for a while we did a, a game exchange with uh, the RMAC, the Division II conference. And because I did the University of uh, San Diego, I could send, the RMAC could provide a crew and I would send them to San Diego. And then we could send the division three crew to a division two game of the RMACs. And um, that was a a nice uh, bonus. And it was all based on grades. You know, the crew got graded for that bonus game. The playoffs are all done. And the other thing that is so important to me is that it's an open system. So um, everybody knows what everybody else's grades are. So if, if I make a mistake and you and I work the same position, you get the privilege of going and looking at my mistake, reading the report, reading what the evaluator said, what the grader said, and reading what the position coach had to say. So now I can prevent as a supervisor, I can prevent that mistake from happening twice. Because in theory, if you have a closed system, you make the mistake this week. You're on crew one, and nobody knows that you got a downgrade. Next week, crew two, the guy, same position, makes the same mistake. Next week, crew three does. I, the mistake's going to happen five times before we get it out of our system. But if I can do it once and show everybody not to make it, we've, we end up lowering the foul count, and um, it just is, it, it works extremely well
1: well that is something i really appreciated is is constant feedback sometimes you're working games a long season and you're just like does anyone even really care about what i'm doing out here but you had feedback for guys and you know correctable errors we will say to to where you would try not to make the same mistake twice and even if if it was someone else in the conference um you kind of knew what the standards were. So I always appreciated that. And, and another thing, Vern, you know, I wear this shirt with pride. Uh, I know I'm not officiating football anymore, but the, the sky uh, something I'm proud to have worked, uh, in, uh, in football. And, you know, for me, I think to, in, in my core, I was just a more of a baseball guy. Like for me, I like walking on the field 10 minutes before the game. All right. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. We talk about it. We, we post game or mistakes we made, but you know what you get to do in baseball typically, is come back tomorrow and do it again. It's not this long week of waiting and analyzing every every little thing you did. It's like, all right, we're coming back tomorrow. Let's make some adjustments, you know? So for me, th- that is something I've always seen in a minor difference in the two sports and also the the outlook of the officials, really. Uh, I mean, do you, do you anything you want to say about that?
0: Well, you know, I, I have worked uh, college baseball also. And- um, there is a distinct difference. Um, the, uh, as you said, there's there's a lot more frequency of game. So what we do is when we challenge our staff uh, to work other levels, work high school so that there's a game in between, work practices. You know that I, I would say out of 35 guys, we probably have 30 of them that work during the week at their local high school Uh, whatever's closest to their house. They go down and talk to the coach. Hey, do you mind if I come out and just kind of work the practice that you got going here? And, you know, we teach uh, the concept of adjusting your eyes, you know, knowing where to look. How do you practice that if you're only going to see action once a week? And so we want to, to practice those skills. You know, we use a lot of materials that we go outside the parameter of football in which um, we uh, try to incorporate. Uh, it isn't about so much throwing the flag. It isn't so much about um, really getting into the right position. Those are things that are conditioned, that you can learn, and that's pretty easy to execute. But it's the skill set how do I teach judgment? How do I teach concentration? How do I teach reaction? And those are all things uh, that we um, we try to improve the skill of our officials. And you remember, I actually came to you as a Division I baseball umpire and said, hey, at one of our meetings, I wanted to talk about the principle in college baseball of read and react. And I, I don't know if you remember it. You did a great job of explaining that. And I said, okay, we're going to implement something similar to that in football. And guess what things, you know, it worked out extremely well. You know, we use a, another baseball, uh, thing that I learned is, is, um, from, uh, a, a very base, a very good baseball, great Roy holiday. And he used, and you will remember this, I'm sure, because we were doing it way back then. Um, he was struggling with his career. He went to a sports psychologist and it was a concentration issue. You know, there's all this crowd noise and there's all this stuff going on and here he's trying to throw pitches. And so they use something called a concentration grid. And we use that as a tool to develop concentration. And we start in the off season, we measure, I'm I'm big on measurement because um, it isn't so much, can I do it faster than you? It's, can I do it next time faster than I did it this time? And so you go through that concentration grid and there you can measure improvement. And if I can give you, it's no different than going on a diet, right? A guy wants to lose some weight. What's he doing? He gets on a scale and looks, how am I doing right? He needs to see improvement if he's going to continue and refocus. So if I can give you reasons and how to, and tools to, 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 Improve your concentration and a finite measurement system. Then there's no reason that you can't um, you can't uh, improve your skill set of uh, concentration. Now reaction is a different one. You know we work on reaction. So you know some some guys you've seen it on TV, you've seen it in high school games, you've seen it everywhere, you've seen it on the baseball field. Something happens and a guy just reacts, you know. There's a close play at the plate and the umpire quickly gives a safe signal. And then he looks and here's the, or or an out signal and there's the ball rolling around over there against the backstop. And now he's like, oh, shoot. Probably doesn't (laughs) say shoot, but now he's giving a big safe signal, right? Mm -hmm. Well, If he had just taken a moment, that pause that we talk about, pause, read, and react, right? So if he had just taken that moment, and he would have noticed the balls over there, and wouldn't have that problem. So what we used um, to to measure your reaction, uh, something that uh, I picked up when uh, my middle son Sean was going to driving school, so they'd get his driver's license while he's in high school, and there was this, he was studying, and I. I ask him what he's doing. He goes, Oh, I'm studying my, you know, for my driver's test. And then I hear all this noise, these little dings and beeps and stuff. And I'm sitting in the chair, probably, you know, looking at the paper. Um, I might've had, you know, a beverage of some sort with me. And I hear all this noise. And so I turn around, I go, Hey, what are you doing? Because I'm studying for my, my test. And I said, no, you're not you're playing a video game. And I walked over there and I look and on the screen of his computer. There's, some graphics and so i'm like show me what you're doing here and he's basically having to he has something flashed in front of him and they take it down and then he had to select the location of the odd item of the four that they put up or the five and then they start inserting backgrounds that are you know make it harder you know a field of you know i'm looking at your flag um on the wall and there's that field with the stars and now you're going to pick up one red dot in a blue and white field of flags uh field of stars and you got to be paying attention you have to you have to concentrate and then therefore the concentration comes in but then you have to react you only have a certain number of seconds or you miss the question so what i did is i contacted the company and got our officials permission to go on use that and get their time, and so each time they did it, they could measure, could I do this? Could I go further than I did before, before I failed? And could I do it faster? Yeah. So now I'm increasing reaction time, I'm increasing concentration, and those are things that, you know, most people don't get any instruction or get any um, enlightenment about what that does to your ability to, to officiate. Um, so... <laughs> It's, I, I use all those little tools that um, I think makes us better.
1: Yeah. Anything that kind of helped develop someone. I, I like that and measurements and of standards and things. And, you know, pause, read, react is a, is a great concept in, in baseball and, and can be used in football. And for those that don't officiate, just think of it this way. Think you're at a, a at a red light, you're driving a car, the light turns green. You don't just react you know, you know, there's this pause, okay, read the situation, no one's coming, no one's in the crosswalk, okay, now my reaction, and each one, each step has to be done accordingly, you can't overreact, underreact, you you have to do each step, you can't pause for too long, you know, it's just pause, read the situation, and then react, you know, because people, I think, because some people will say in any officiating, oh, he called that too quickly, or oh, he took forever to call that, it's like, It's got to be like Goldilocks, like just right. So you got to take all those principles uh, in officiating. So uh, that's just great stuff, Vern. Really appreciate you giving us all some insight into
0: your uh, your example there for a non-officiating application. Uh, It's probably not the one I use. Mine is more like I'm cruising up to the stop sign and uh, my read is, is is there a cop around here anywhere? Okay, then don't stop and keep going. But
1: Oh, that's great! I appreciate all the insight into uh, officiating and, and the act You know, it's uh, uh, I, I always like the the small school stuff. Everyone can see the big games you see on TV, but uh, for a lot of people, it starts at, at lower levels and and working your way up. So, I think you're doing great stuff there. Uh, I want to kind of transition a little bit here, Vern, and, and talking about your officiating experience because I'm sure people are like, "Okay, this guy runs a conference," but. Uh, what, what, uh, how did he get there? So I remember hearing the, the story, uh, the first, your first, uh, I don't know, light bulb moment when you decided you were going to do, go into officiating and it was from another official in a parking lot. Tell, tell me that story when you uh, decided you were going to start officiating.
0: I had a, a, a lady that worked for me and her husband, uh, her and her husband had a son that played, Um, junior All-American football. I think he was probably about 10, 11 years old. And um, the husband came in and asked me if I would um, devote some time or donate some of my time to the league. Not They weren't asking for money. I was used to people asking for money. And so I got involved with the league and helped them set budgets and some of the things that I was pretty uh, efficient at. And... um, at some point in time, one of the coaches asked me if I'd ever coached football. And I said, no, but I played high school football. but That was it. I went to uh university of Southern California. It wasn't quite in their league when I got there to play football. Um, but, uh, so I ended up coaching and, um, I enjoyed coaching. And then after a couple of years, I became the head coach and it's, it's quite a developed program and it was back then. And um, so uh, there was a particular game and there was an official um, the, the play situation was uh, there was a blocked punt and the punt went beyond the line of scrimmage and um, our guy recovered it. And, but we did not make the line to gain. So we didn't get to the first down marker, but it was a loose ball that had went beyond the line. And so I was convinced that that was a first down for us. And this official said, no, it's the other team's first down because we didn't get the line to gain. And that was fourth down. And we kind of had words. And uh, He uh, afterwards, he waited around and, uh, you know, finished my little post game stuff I had to do with the team and we're getting ready to leave. And, you know, he approached me and he says, Hey, so uh, you kind of thought I um, screwed that up. And I said, well, now that you brought it up, yes. So he, he says, uh, he challenged me. He says, you know, as officials, we, um, um, we, we have to go to meetings and learn about the, how to officiate this and that. He he gave me the, the location of their meeting. It was at West Covina High School. And he goes, we meet on Tuesdays at six o'clock. And I'd like to have you come over and just see what we do. So maybe you'd have a better understanding. And You know, so I went, he was waiting for me and big smile and introduced himself, you know, himself again and introduced me to some people. And he goes, we're going to have you go in a classroom as soon as we break out the classrooms. And I go, okay. So I go in there and it's the first year class, you know, where all the brand new guys come in. And of course you have to take a test. Every class you have to take a test. So I take this test and there's, you know, I, there's a saying that on a true false test that if you gave it to a monkey, he could get 50%. And in that particular instance, he would have beat me. And so I was, was not pleased at all with that. And so I didn't know who this guy was, but turns out he was one of the uh, leaders of the association and was a division one college football official at that time and he did he went and worked these junior all-american games on sundays because they played on sundays and sometimes on saturdays depending on when his game was for free it wasn't you know he just loved the association loved the game and there was lots of new guys that he could in in the association or out working and he could help them and so um, he came up to me and asked me how I did on the test. And I said, well, it wasn't as good as I'd like to have. And I've been thinking about this, you know, to myself. And I'm thinking, well, maybe if I learned the rules better or at all at that point, um, I could become a better coach. And so I asked him, I said, so would it be okay if I came back? You know, oh, absolutely welcome me with open arms. And for the rest of the season, I went to these classes. At the end of the season, um, he asked me if I'd like to work a a scrimmage, and I was like, "No." He goes, "Well, you you you've been to all the classes. You're qualified. It's a you know Saturday. They call them uh, uh, freshman reserve games, you know." And so I went, and he goes, "I said, well, I don't have a uniform." He goes, "Don't worry. Wear your coach's shorts, and we'll get you a shirt." And and I he goes, "Bring your coach's whistle." And we'll uh, get you a flag, and you're going to go out there, and you know. And I did it, and that was it. That was the first time, and that was uh, the last football game I ever coached. Was after that, I, I never, I never came back. And um, you fast. I didn't know who he was until now. I'm the next year. Then in the, the summer, he invited me to come to his house. I lived in Whittier and he lived in Hacienda Heights and he says, why don't you come over and you know, study with us? And we we're studying the high school rules and I met some other guys there and um, the, uh, um, that's how I got involved and then I started working games and over the years I progressed and I had the absolute privilege of working um, his last Division One football game. Um, we worked on the same crew together and um, I worked the, the the last game. So he got me started and I got to work, you know, over the course of time, I got to work many games with him at the high school level, at the junior college level, even at the division one level, because he was in the big West at the time. And uh, that was the first conference I ever worked in. And that year um, I got to work a game with him. And so, it was quite a, uh, you know, circle of life. I guess you would call it.
1: Oh yeah, that's a a great story. And and he was still around uh, as the instructional chairman for the Foothill Citrus Unit for quite some time. Um, you know, so a guy that just loved to give, give to give to people, and um, that is something I've seen in football more than any other sport uh, of the three that I've done. Football guys there is this concept of giving back that is unlike the other, some of them, some other sports try to do it and and baseball guys or what basketball, but it's just not the same. Football really is about bringing people with you and bringing people along, sometimes forcing them to that meeting even. And uh, to your point, Vern, about the, the testing, you know, I would say most people probably have that experience where I know football. I played football. I watch football on Sundays. I, I know the rules. I know them close enough. And you take that test, and you're like, "Wait, wait, who's B? Who's A? Wait, what is this fourth and loss it down? What are you talking about? These, uh, you know, intentional grounding. Well, he's out of the pocket. Well, that's not a high school rule. You know, there <laughs> it's all stuff like that that is eye opening, and it, it's really cool to, to hear that a guy who never thought about it really that kind of sucked you in because I think that experience was probably like a lot of us. I didn't know what I was expecting my very first football meeting, but I fell in love from day one. And I remember you even came in the classroom that first year class. And one thing you said, uh, cause you were assigning junior all American at the time and you were telling the first year guys, what's that? I still am. You still are. Wow. There you go. Uh, still assigning. And you, you said, guys, this is where you're going to get your work in. He, you said snaps, get snaps. And, and you know, for, you know, as in, you know, every, every time you see a play, regardless if it's a uh, junior all American, a freshman game or a division one game, you got to get snaps, get repetition. And so I'll never forget that. And I was just, I just remember the welcoming attitude of everyone at Foothill Citrus, the Foothill Citrus football officials association, great people there. And, uh, you want to talk about success. People out of that unit have, uh, have really done great things, uh, at various levels, you know,
0: you know, it's, you mentioned the, the test, um, in the SCIAC, uh, they have to take tests, not just weekly, but just to get a schedule, they have to take, um, three tests and there's a combined score from the three. And I tell them on the final of the third Uh, test, which is how you take it to clinic, passing of that test, the passing score is 100. And uh, my deal with them is, with the staff, as you know, is that if you get less than 100, let's say you get a 95, that's a pretty good score. Um, The only requirement is uh, that when you go out that week and you meet the coaches beforehand, hi, coach. I'm Vern Sparling. I'm going to be your headlinesman today. And I want you to know, I'm going to get 95% of my calls. Correct. <laughs> that coach is not going to be impressed with that. So, um, you know, and everybody kind of chuckles, but they get the point and, um, we do real well, you know, with our rules tests and uh, I'm pretty proud of that, but.
1: Well, when I look at officials, especially at the college level, um, here's what I here's my perception. I I put guys into three different, three categories and there might be more, but this is just what I saw. There's, there's a group of guys that are just outstanding with the rules. They know the rule book uh, front to back. They can quote you every detail of it. And they, they get hundreds on the tests and they're just, they're really good at the rules. Everyone's good to a point, but these guys are above and beyond extra credit type of guys. Then there's like these really athletic guys, guys that either played or just incredible shape and go out on a field and you know, okay, this guy, this guy means business. He takes pride in, in his, in his body and just a stud. And then there's this third group of guys that really doesn't fit fit in either of those categories that, but deep down, you know, they just know how to run a game. They know how to make decisions, how to work with people and, they just, they know how to get where they got to be when they got to, and, and they'll figure it out, I guess, is kind of the best way uh, to to sum it up. And I, and I won't uh, let the audience guess which, which guy I was, uh, but <laughs> that is just something I see. Now, ideally, Vern, your vision is you want all three of those guys to be one guy. You want guys that are in great shape, guys that are excellent in the rules and the guys that can make tough decisions on the field and work with people, right?
0: Yes, you do. And um, I compare that. Your your example is absolutely correct. Um, I compare that to a stool. You know, if you have one leg shorter than the other on the stool, you don't stay up on it very long. And, uh, you know, I I happen to have a, a partiality to X players. I think that the X player, not only do we get the physical fitness that they bring to the game, uh, but they have a, a, a feel for the game. They understand, they have a, a they can anticipate better. So now I only, ch- my only challenge is, is to get them to that um, that rules knowledge. And that's the easiest one to teach. You know, it's, it's difficult to teach a feel for the game. It's difficult to teach a um, understanding of what's going to happen next. And how's this player, you know, an ex-player, if you have a defensive player, for instance, and uh, that defensive player knows what's happening on that play. He knows the the moves that the offensive guy is going to make, the, the receiver, let's say, and he knows what the techniques that the defender's going to use to try to inhibit him or slow him down or to um, prevent him from making a catch, and which of those, you know, uh, and especially if they played at a high level. So I have you know, over the course of my eight seasons of which one, we didn't play. Um, so, you know, you think about those numbers I mentioned, that's really only seven graduating classes. So, um, but uh, those uh, of those classes that that eight seasons, I have had several uh, division one college uh, football players mm. that have uh, been on the staff and and they don't, they don't last very long they're <laughs> off and they're often running to the next level.
1: Yeah. And, and that's a great point. I mean, I, I do think as far as umpiring goes, most guys who umpire baseball played, played baseball at some point, even if it was just in high school uh, football, you don't see it as much because I think less people play football, but yeah, the guys that do play at uh college level uh, it, it, and even beyond that, I uh, really do. I think, they, they, they fit right in, I think, and they understand that they have to look at the game differently than they were when they were playing now that they're an official. So that, that whole concept is really cool. And, yeah, we, we do need more ex-players uh, in officiating as soon as they're done playing, uh, you know, at a young age and guys that can just develop and be around a long time. So I, I really wish more players in all sports jumped into officiating almost immediately.
0: Well, you know that's uh, you're absolutely correct. They have an, an you know an understanding and a feel for the game. Um, they know what's gonna what's coming next, and um, the more important thing is that I find that they have a very good ability to deal with coaches because they're used to dealing with the coach.
1: Yeah, that that's a good point.
0: So, and, and they they kind of know the language, you know, the coach. It, it, officials talk in, in what I call referee ease, you know, they, they speak in officiating terms, coaches speak in coaching terms. And it's the, you know, women from Venus, men from Mars type of deal there. Everybody's talking and nobody knows what the other guy's saying. And you, you
1: got to translate, you got to, you got to translate the two languages and that's a good point. You need to be able to, as an official, you need to be able to speak as an official and also a non-official in your explanations of things um because no one wants let's be honest re- reading to some people is boring reading a sentence is boring listening to a, a sentence read out loud is boring like g- give me the details what do i need to know here that's a really good point uh Vern, back to your your officiating you you, you got into the big west you also worked in the whack when they were doing football uh you, you worked for Conference USA towards the end of your on-field career, uh, but tell me about your college experience and, and what that was like working uh, Division I college football f- for a great amount of years.
0: Well, it, um, when you get the first assignment, the first year, it's just um, you know, the most exciting thing that you can imagine. Um, It's a new frontier. It's a new, you know, um, challenge and you go out and uh, I'll never forget before the, my first game that, that late August, I was, uh, had a conversation with the supervisor and uh, of the big West. And he told me, he goes, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. And I'm just like, Oh, here we go. You know, I'm going to get the I'm, I'm going to get the biggest, uh, secret of all time. And, um, I'm, I'm I'm impatiently waiting. Okay. Okay. What is it? And he tells me, he goes, only worry about you. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I was kind of disappointed. And then I get to the first game and, um, you know, when you're at that level, you're usually, uh, for instance, in the SCIAC, our officials are leaders in the high school units. Our, our officials are leaders in the junior college units. They're doing instruction a lot of times in, in uh, the various meetings and, and groups that they go to. And so that it kind of means that they're kind of um, more advanced, I'll just call it that, than than the average, right? But at least they better be if they're working in, in the SCIAC. But... Um, you have a tendency, and I I noticed this in baseball. I noticed this in in football. Um, If somebody's new and you're working with them at a a game, regardless of the level, and they make a mistake, you or to keep them from making a mistake, the veteran guy has a tendency to over-officiate. He is trying to make sure that that guy doesn't make a mistake and cause a big ruckus at the game and whatever. And so he starts pretty soon, he starts taking care of that guy's position as well as his own. And you can't can't really do that well, because now you've given up something trying to help that guy. And so you're not going to look as good as you could. But what he meant by that is when I got there, I found out that, geez, all these guys were really, really good. And I didn't need to worry about what they were doing. Uh, In fact, I needed to worry a lot more about what I was doing, because (laughs) I, i'm now the little fish in the big pond and um so it was a big a big transition and then the second year and the third year you um you know you just kind of become more and more comfortable and, and then pretty soon that we use the term cruise control you walked out your opening kickoff and it's just a it didn't matter if it's a bowl game it didn't matter if it's a playoff g- or a playoff game or a um, you know, a conference championship game. It's just another football game. They're going to kick the ball. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to run the ball. And you know, it's, it's still the same. And uh, so when the, when the Big West folded um, or they dropped football, they, they went the way of the schools got together and said, hey, we, we don't want to pay for travel. We're, we're going to be a non-football conference. Um, kind of like what the Big East did. Um, a few years ago. Um, then uh, I got hired in the, in the Western Athletic Conference in the WAC. And that was a great experience for 10 years or 11 years I was in there. At one point in time, for two years, we did uh, shared games. So you worked, the crews were mixed from three conferences, the Mountain West then the WAC and Conference USA. And then, so on our crew, um we had guys from all three conferences mixed together so you had to learn to work with those other people that was a real beneficial uh thing i thought and you went to places that you had never been before and they were going to your schools which they'd never been before and uh, so that worked really well and then um when the WAC uh stopped playing football and uh I went to the Sunbelt conference and worked, and then uh, realized that at that point after all those years that the it wasn't as exciting to get on that airplane every every week as it was yep. in the very first few years you know
1: definitely what uh what were some of the favorite memories you had officiating college football maybe certain venues, maybe crazy games, uh, weird plays, anything like that that kind of stick out to you from uh, your officiating days in college?
0: I got to work all three of the service academies. Oh, that's awesome. And I will forever remember the pregame portion where the cadets walk by, they salute you as you're standing outside the locker room. When the, when the air force academy has their flyover this isn't just some average joe flyover they bring in uh, the you know the fighter jet and and it's on the deck i you're, you're kind of ducking because you're thinking it's going to hit the hit the stadium and when they get right over the top of you they turn it perfectly vertical and <laughs> almost stall it and they hit the afterburners and then you smell the diesel fuel and, and that's a memory you just can't you know give up and Um, so those, those were, were great games and, um, it was the venue. It wasn't necessarily the game itself. Um, I got to work some great football players that were very, you know, ultimately in their career became great NFL players. And, uh, those were always exciting, but the thing that was probably, uh, the most was the friends that I made, the crews that I was on. Um, they were just family, you know. Um, I went to their weddings. I went to, you know, we would spend time together in, uh, on vacations and in the off season and, um, just because you, you liked being around those people. And, um, you know, I, I was fortunate. I get to work on some, some great crews. Um, my time in the WAC, I went to uh, Hawaii twice a year, and uh, for I think we, we went ten straight years. For ten years, I spent Thanksgiving in Hawaii. It was, <laughs> a, it was a great experience. It's yeah.
1: outstanding. So, so okay, I'm going to ask. I got to ask this, and, and you could take. I'll let you. I'll give you either option here uh, because I know some things you don't always want to necessarily share. As far as coaches. Uh, who were some really great guys at the division one level that stand out that you remember working for, or who were some guys that were kind of a handful would kind of get after you a little bit. You don't have to go into specifics if, if you don't want, but who were either great guys to work for or guys that uh, you were working hard for three and a half hours, or you always work hard, but you know, they were on, they were on your back a little bit.
0: Um, I I believe, and I, I try to teach our officials that, it's up to you how, what kind of relationship you're going to have with a coach. Now, some guys will make it harder for you to have a relationship with them because they look at you as an adversary, you know, a necessary evil. I always try to explain to them, we, we're a resource to help you become a better coach. We're here to give you information to let you make a decision. We're not the decision makers. You are. It, it's your game. But we're here to help you with certain things. Um, when replay came in, because when I first started, we didn't have instant replay. When replay came in, I would always want to tell the coach on the sideline, I always wanted to be the communicator, whether I was the deep official or the line of scrimmage official, and I wanted to explain you know what the options were. I always told the coach, you know hey, as we're approaching certain time within a game, the rules change you know as we get to the last two minutes of a of a half. The rules are different. Timing rules are different. Certain things can happen. There are penalties uh, that you can get for getting a foul, and we're going to take time off the clock you know, at certain periods of time in the game. And so you want to keep giving them information. And if you become something that they need, they don't get on you anymore. It's a business deal here. It's like the CEO calling in the vice president and going, hey, uh, what's happening over here in this area that you're in charge of right and when they when that happens you're not going to um have uh really any trouble with that coach whatsoever and i was very very lucky to have that um as far as the coaches about, you know relationship um i always measured my admiration was how he treated his players what was his interaction like Um, a guy that I thought was a really, really tremendous coach uh, was Chris Peterson at Boise Um, and um, you know, Pat Hill at Fresno State those guys were just they were great. Bronco Mendenhall at at, uh, BYU those were great guys you know, and I I worked some games where um, you know, and other conferences and they had You know, they weren't necessarily all that great. Um, The coach would not treat their players well. I I observed a coach spit in a player's face. Hmm. And I I just, I I didn't know what to do. Uh, You know, you can't throw a flag. You can't penalize them. It's not related to the game, but, you know, um, that was just uh, really discouraging. What it did do is it helped me with my oldest son when he was being offered scholarships and being recruited to play football. Um, I could give him some, you know, information. This would be a great coach for you to play for, knowing you know, what kind of player he was and how he reacted. And this coach over here, you know, there was a couple of coaches. I said, you know, if you go to that university and play for that guy, I'm disowning you. But, uh, uh, you know, but in the in the broad picture, as far as my personal relationship with those guys, um, I, I really didn't have that much of a problem, um, because I treated them with respect. I made myself of value to them. If they had a complaint, I listened. I was never afraid to admit I might have made a mistake. I learned that, you know, from someone that is very near and dear to my heart, Bill Athan. He says, it's okay to admit, you know, if you, uh, if you made a mistake, because one, where are they going to take okay, coach, I, I did it wrong or whatever. Where are you going to go from there? You know?
1: Yeah. Um, he's going to vent for 10 seconds and then
0: it's going to happen again. And I'm going to work a lot harder, you know, and they, they'll respect that.
1: Yeah. And you can't do that every series, but you know, <laughs> you know, every game,
0: you know, every game, yeah i had you last week you made the same damn mistake you
1: said you wouldn't do it again well that was last game oh Oh, fresh start well uh great stuff Uh, i love the service academy story yeah with with coaches it seems like how you treat other people is kind of a reflection of of you which we can all learn from uh in all walks of life we need more of that going around uh you, you you talked about your sons um we were talking off the air you know once one son is a played college football, now is officiating college football in, uh, in Michael, uh, Sean played baseball at UC Irvine. I actually umpired a game. He he pitched one time against uh, Notre Dame, a lights out pitcher and um, uh, your other, uh, and Sean is now a minor league baseball umpire and your youngest son, Matthew, great name was uh, quite an athlete himself, but you, you said he he's uh you know, he doesn't want to go the, the sports route. He's thinking of becoming a, a pilot, an airline pilot. So, uh, I mean, you got a wide range of uh, success there with your three kids, Vern.
0: Well, you know, it's uh it's funny is you worked um, sports for all, uh, well for Michael and Sean, not for Matthew, because he was, he's a little bit, there's a little bit of an oops gap there. And, uh, he, uh, but you worked Michael's football games in high school and playoffs. Uh, you know, he has four state championships or CIF championship rings. And then uh, you officiated Sean's football games. Both uh, obviously went to La Habra High School in the playoffs because you, got, you were from Foothill Citrus. And so it's not the same area, but you, they took Foothill Citrus game, uh, officials to work those big games at school like La Habra in the playoffs. And then you worked uh, baseball games with uh, with Sean when uh, when he was playing. Um, but uh, it's it's kind of interesting because when Sean was at UC Irvine, they got to go to Omaha. They went to the World Series. And uh, so uh, Thanksgiving is always interesting because Michael shows up and if somehow he must have just found those high school championship rings because they'll come out, you know, setting it up table going like this, and then Sean gets up and goes in his room, comes out and gets that big old trophy that they give all the participants at, at the uh, World Series, and, and I'm just looking at the table and go ahead and get another glass of wine, just let it go, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so, no, I'm, I'm really proud of them. Sports has been a, a very important uh, piece of my life and my, my children's life. And, uh, uh, it's taught valuable, valuable lessons, life lessons. They're both, you know, successful the boys that are still in officiating. And it's because they've, they've learned those principles. And Matthew is a, just an outstanding student. He's going to soon be an instruct, a flight instructor at the university. And, uh, you know, but he's very disciplined. He's very, uh, uh, not a procrastinator, all the things you would want from a, an official or a player. You know? So sports, sports is a, is a big deal in my household.
1: Oh yeah. It, it, we need sports. Uh, it teaches so many lessons. It teaches, dis, you know, how to deal with disappointment, how to adversity. There's just so many lessons we could go through a, you know, an entire show regarding that, but uh, real quick Vern about Omaha. What was that experience? I mean, you're a, a lifelong Uh, football guy and you've officiated baseball. We talked about too, but to go to the college world series, I've, I had the opportunity to go as a, as a fan and watch uh, after I graduated college and I was blown away. I think it's the coolest sporting event. What was that experience like for you and watching your son's team, especially uh, UC Irvine at the college world series? Did you feel that the, the, just the greatness that it is?
0: So Matt in my football career, I had the privilege of being selected to work four bowl games big bowl games and, and that was always electric it was always exciting and you know you're you're there for days before and you see what's going on and see the families there and when I went to Omaha uh, and I took me the youngest um, it was more exciting more electric more fun than any of those other big games in the the regular season, you know, working at Nebraska with 110,000 people (laughs) screaming and, or or a big bowl game or anything else that it was something that was just unbelievable. And um, for anybody that has any knowledge, not a big fan, just knowledge and, you know, can watch a baseball game and, you know, it's okay. And, as long as you don't hate the sport, it, it, they, that needs to be a bucket list item. Mm. It needs to be because there's nothing like it ever.
1: Yeah. College World Series is is just, man, I, I, I got to go back sometime. And yeah, for those who have not, got to check it out. Uh, Vern, as we kind of wrap it up here, there's something I want to uh, bring up that, you know, at least when I was officiating, I doubt it's changed, but you always ended our clinic and our meeting the same way uh, with three words that I think were simple to the point. And I've carried it with me, uh, you know, through, throughout life and everything, but um, you always had a slideshow or something. And, and then you, you'd put at the end uh, faith, family, football, and your big point with all that was always make sure they're in the right order. And that always hit me hard. And I was like, man, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go at life. So where did you get that? And, and is it still something you guys, uh, you, you promote with your conference?
0: Absolutely something that we, to this day, every meeting, every, um, every training session, every clinic, every scrimmage, every time that I'm with those guys, I always want to remind them. Because if it gets out of order, it does It does more than just affect the, you know, that one item that's out of order. It affects your entire life. You can't be, be a good sports official if you don't have your family first in front of that. And you're not going to be a good leader of your family if you don't have uh, God in front of that. You know, so um, it is a That doesn't mean that your football isn't important or baseball or anything else, you know, but it needs to go. um, If you don't have it in that order, it's going to be an unhappy life.
1: Well, amen to that, Vern. I couldn't have said it better myself. And uh, yeah, that's just a look inside to the Skyac football officials, uh, the the, the leader that you are and uh, yeah, just, just your football kind of journey. It's been great talking to you, catching up. It's been far too long. And, uh, you know, I think the last time I saw you, you were probably in the stands when I was umpiring uh, Sean's game or something or other, but it's been too long. And I really appreciate you coming on here and chatting with me today.
0: I really appreciate it. Uh, I have enjoyed, uh, catching up with you and, uh, I, I, uh, look forward to seeing you maybe one of these days if, uh, if you can get off work and uh, come to a football game, maybe we could uh, watch together. And I'll, I'm I'm more than willing to l- look at your perspective and let you do some evaluating, <laughs> so because um, you know what's expected of those guys. So that hasn't changed.
1: I appreciate that more than you know. Uh, I'm honored to to hear that uh, that take there. So thanks thanks again, Vern. Uh, this will be out probably next Friday. I'll keep you updated on everything. Uh, but again, this was a, a great, great conversation and, uh, yes, look forward to seeing you. All right. Thanks, Matt. Talk to you later, Vern. See you soon. Bye. Well, guys, what a episode that was. I really enjoyed talking with Vern Sparling, just a blast. And, uh, I'm, I'm ready for some football. I mean, I know it's only what late May or June even here, but, um, man, a lot of fun. Vern Sparling, great guy. Thanks again. I've learned a lot from him. And, uh, yeah, he, he does great work for officials and everything. So guys, thanks for joining us today. Have a great West rest of your weekend. We can, we're still constantly looking for more guests out there. So if you have any ideas or know someone who, who wouldn't mind uh, coming on the program, by all means, uh, send them my way, uh, you know, let me know and we'll try to put it together, but uh, so we can continue to have Friday conversations like these on the get home safe podcast. You know, all the information we'll, we'll, we'll re- repeat all of it here soon with our social media platforms and our uh, ways to contact the podcast. Um, but yeah, we, if you, ha- you want to leave a voice message, that's always great, uh, an option. So look in the episode notes there. And uh, we hope to hear from you guys soon out there with your topics, guest suggestions, content suggestions whatever the case may be guys enjoy the rest of the weekend. And as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or round in third base, get home safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the Get Home Safe podcast. Anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like Apple, Spotify, Google, and many more. We also have a YouTube channel that is brand new for us. Not a whole lot of content on there yet. But we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time. So lots of options out there, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email. Offer uh, some suggestions or content uh, topics or uh, just ask us some random questions. We always appreciate that. I know Bill Barnes does, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays wednesdays and fridays guys have a great rest of the week and as always no matter what you're doing whether you're out on the town or around in third base get home safe